Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. Now I believe what it simply said is you are on spiritual ground. The territory under you, the territory that you are, that is under you, will be, will be dealt with by way of promises. You are on a spiritual territory. So when we are on holy ground, we are on spiritual territory. If you understand that. I think that's important for us to see. You see, in a spiritual territory, you walk completely different. You walk in a different way. You analyze things in a different way. You cannot go by what you see, nor can you go by what you hear, but what God gives you. Now this is very obvious. When they looked across the Jordan River and they saw Jericho, there it stood as a city, and they've never done anything quite like this. And God speaks to them and say, says, or the, the captain of the Lord of hosts tells them to go around that city and surround it seven times, and the last time seven times, that this is something very different. And it seemed and appeared and occurred perhaps very weird to them. But remember, they were on holy ground. And when you're on holy ground, also says they walk by the promise now that God had given them. Not only that, the captain of the Lord of hosts now was their main military uh, general in this, in this section of, of the, the, uh, the duties that lay in front of them. And so it made this a holy place. And they cannot walk like they normally walked here. They cannot go by what they think. They cannot go by what they see. They can, they can only go by what God says. And it's very interesting, very interesting to see that. You see, when I walk in your home, I have a high respect of your homes. You can, you can know this. Some places that I never sit. When I come to your home, I want to sit. I want to know where you as the father or the husband of the, of the home sits to eat. That's his spot. I will not sit there. I also do not want to sit where the wife of the home sits. There is a certain authority figure in where they sit. Dad always sits there and mom always sits here. I'm not taking that place. I also will not do another thing. I will always take my shoes off because I don't want to carry the dirt in from the outside, but I'll take my shoes off when I walk to, into your house. Some of you might think that uh, that is actually kind of absurd to me, but it's a way of me respecting and honor you. I have seen people that walk into other people's houses leaving their shoes on, but I watch their lifestyle as well. And they do not understand honor, nor do they understand authority. I've seen that. I've watched that. I've observed that. And so this is something that I have learned. Now the other thing here is God is saying here, take your shoes off, Joshua. Moses, take your shoes off. There's another thing, there's only one other place that I know of in the Bible where it was required for the people not to wear shoes, and that was for the priest to go into the Holy of Holies. He had to take his shoes off. It was holy ground, Holy of Holies. It was where God dwelled. There was an honor, there was a respect. There was something special about that place, and it's symbolic of this is a place that God controls. This is a place where God is in charge. And I take my shoes off of here, and I walk carefully. It's a place of respect, honor, and it's also a real principle. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 19, uh, we notice 
the, again, speaking about the importance of a name, we notice here that Jacob said unto his father, the time when he simply tried to deceive uh, his father because he was blind. And so he came to his father and he said like this, his father asked, uh, are you Esau? He said, yes, I'm Esau. And you know how the story went? Jacob called himself Esau to simply deceive Isaac. He was another man by identity. He used Esau, but he was not Esau. He wanted to trick. He walked in that type of a, a lifestyle. If you look at uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 27, it says, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now, when I go with this, when I talk about it, maybe I'll just continue to read, and then I will point something out. In verse 28, following verse, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. That is talking about the meeting at the brook of Jabbok. Now the brook of Jabbok is the picture that is flowing back here. This is a picture that I took. Some of you were there when I took it. But that is the brook of Jabbok. What is so special about Jabbok? What is about Jabbok that God wanted Jacob to be there? I noticed something. It was an entrance place. There was a kingdom. Two kingdoms came together in the middle of this creek. It was one kingdom on the one side and one kingdom on the other side. And when Jacob came to a place where he entered into another kingdom, there was a man there. And this man wrestled with him all night long. And you know the story. I've, I've told you that before. I'm not going into those details. Simply pointing out some things. We also notice when the children of Israel, or when Moses was talked to by God up in Horeb. There was a man there when he gave him his calling. When the children of Israel came all the way through the desert for 40 years, and they were just ready to enter into the land of Canaan, there was a man there. So we see that three different voices from three different men or identity of something were at these kingdom borders. And also in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, which we will address later on, not today, there is a man there. And so it's important to understand there was an identifying that had to go on before they could go on. This man, this person that wrestled with Jacob here in Jabbok, it was right on the border between both of those. Let, let me say it, I will, I, will bring, I will come to this point later on at another message. But the importance is, again, there were men or something of an identity that had to be identi identified as, as it was something spiritual coming from another kingdom or the kingdom that they were walking in, which was the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Um, here it seemed to be an angel, but maybe not really, because it said a man wrestled with him. Now I go to John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I'm switching completely gears and going into another area. But these, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing ye might have life through His, through his name, through His identity, through His name. What is a name? A name is simply an identity that we might have life through His identity, okay? Through His identity. 
You see something here. Now we go to John chapter 20, verse 31. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'll go to Acts 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Because a miracle was just done. This was at the eastern gate, or the gate called Beautiful. Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? And then he continues in verse 13, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Verse 14, But ye denied the Holy One, the just, and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Verse 15, And killed the Prince of Life, whom God ra has raised from the dead, whereof ye are witnesses. Verse 16, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. His name, identity. Faith in his identity has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. The identity was who? It was Jesus. It was the Messiah. Having faith in that identity. Now this is where I would like to speak a little bit to you concerning this. You see... I believe all of you that are here, at least for the majority of you, would say that you could identify that Jesus has given you a new birth. And you identify with the salvation part of it. And here is very clear that it is the identity was Jesus. Jesus is the life giver. He is the one that's changed me. He is the one that has completed salvation in me. It was Jesus. And I acknowledge that, and I acknowledge freely, but do I have faith in that name? Is it only good for salvation, or do I have faith in that name even further? Is the identity that I see in Jesus only salvation, or is it everything that Jesus is? Because in the identity of Jesus, there is everything that Jesus is. And so when I come to Jesus, I come, on, I come to him with everything that he has now, he has given me and is called to be my father. And I call him that. That puts me on a completely other uh, a place. That puts me in the river of Jabbok, where now I have a different identity. My identity is now Jesus, the Savior of the world, the miracle worker, and everything that he is, the Godhead in human body. This is what Jesus is, died and resurrected. So I have faith in him for salvation, but I have faith in him of who all he is. Now I take on that identity on me, now who am I? Now what's my name? What happens here when I take the identity of Jesus and claim it and have faith in it? You know what happens? Jesus starts working in our lives. But it is an obvious difference when Jesus is our identity and he works in our life versus when we identify with something else. And you cannot have both identities and have both of them work. It doesn't work that way. Either today, as you're sitting here, the life that you live, the experience that you've had when walking with God and who you are, when it comes right down to it, 
It's either Jesus that we see, or it's going to be something else. And so identity, we might think at times, is not very important. Let's just look at this set of verse, actually, just one verse. Romans 12, chapter 2. Here it says, and be not conformed, which means fashioned-like. That's what Hebrew say, or Greek says. Be not conformed, fashioned-like, to this world, or age, but be transformed or transfigured by the renewing or renovation of your mind, that ye may prove or approve what is that good and acceptable, which means agreeable, and perfect means completeness in the will of God. Now I take the definitions of what I just read, and I will bring it back to you again in the verse that I've simply interpreted by the, its original meaning. This is how it would sound. And be not fashioned like the age, but be transfigured by the renovation of the natural mind, that you may approve that which is good, agreeable, and completely in the will of God. You see, when we're talking with, about identities here, we have a lot of different things that we can identify with. I can try to continue to identify and have an identity as my family. I can do the things that perhaps my father or my mother has laid out, and they want us to walk in that, and I'll continue to walk in the identity of that. That's all I get. Or I can continue to walk in an identity that is maybe identified from way of a culture, a cultural identity. And I can stay with that cultural identity, but I will only have that. Or I can go with an identity that comes from Jesus, the Savior of the world, and then that's the identity that I will have. Now he warns us here, and he warns it very clearly, and I think we need to take a look at this. In our personal conviction as we walk, we need not to be identified with the world. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.